Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Hi, Amy. Amy has a podcast called Focus on Why. And so she's asked me to be a guest on her show, which I'm very privileged to be. And um, I'm going to let Amy take over in a minute and she can tell you where she's going to go. And um, she's got me for as long as she needs. And hopefully she's going to bring some stuff out of me that maybe you've not seen before. Um, But Amy really wants to explore a lot deeper why I and we, me, entrepreneurs, you, why we do what we do. Um, And that will be the theme of this interview. So this is your podcast, Amy. Thank you for inviting me on. I'm very privileged. And I am all yours. Thank you very much. So welcome to the Focus on Why podcast, Rob. For those of you who don't know who Rob Moore is, I don't know how you've managed to get through to this point without knowing who Rob is. But Rob is a best-selling author. He holds three world records. He is a public speaker extraordinaire and a property investor and educator. He's got two podcasts, Money and The Disruptive Entrepreneur. And I want to go straight in and ask you why it is important to be a disruptive entrepreneur. Well, being a disruptive entrepreneur isn't for everyone. You know, if your personality is safe and steady, and you like consistency, you probably don't want to be a disruptive entrepreneur. Um, Where this came from, obviously, I didn't make up the word disruptive. I didn't make up the word entrepreneur, although I do have a trademark for disruptive entrepreneur. So I could say I own that phrase. But where this came from is about mm, seven years ago, maybe, Amy, Mark and I realized if we wanted to grow our company at the time, our training company, Progressive Property, we needed to um, step back from the day-to-day. So we had had back then an MD, but we needed a few more managers. We needed more trainers to run the events. And so we got a, we set about systemizing our business for scale, if you like. And one of the big ways for us to do that was to take our brand away from the company. So seven years ago, Progressive Property was really Rob and Mark. And there was no Progressive Property without Rob and Mark. It was Rob and Mark at Progressive. But what if Rob and Mark wanted to do something else? Or what if Rob and Mark got bored or distracted or ill or um, there was too much for Rob and Mark to physically do? that would be a problem for the growth of our company. So we rebranded in that progressive property became progressive property and disassociated from Rob and Mark. Um, Myself and Mark created our own brands. Uh, And we did a lot of polling and um, surveys with our staff, our clients, our community members. So pick one word that described myself and Mark. And Mark, contrarian came up loads for Mark. And disruptive came up loads for me. Of all the words in the English language, anyone could have picked. It was a massive landslide. The word disruptive was used to describe me. So I decided that that would, I, I, that would be a worthy brand word. And so then my podcast. Podcast became the disruptive entrepreneur, and I suppose over time, I get known for that. So that's the history and the origin of it, which most people don't know, Amy. And I wanted to share some unique stuff for your podcast. Uh, but I would never try and own a word or wear a word on a T-shirt like I am, or call my podcast a word, unless it was me and I lived and breathed it. Otherwise, it's not integrity. I'd feel a fraud and. Um, People always say, Rob, you do loads of content. You put yourself out there a lot and all that. And you you seem pretty free and easy with it. It's because I'm only ever sharing what I know, what I do and what I believe. And if you got me teaching yoga or chess, I would never be able to do it. There wouldn't be the integrity. There wouldn't be the confidence. 
Um, so disruptive really is inherently how I see business and life. So that is to be contrarian, challenging, to question things, to be different, unique, first, fast, different, um, to approach the work, something that everyone else is a completely different way, to hybridize, hybridize models rather than to copy, to innovate, to evolve, to make sure that you're constantly changing and improving and making sure that you're outwitting your competitors or the marketplace. Um, to, to be different, to do different, to think different. You know, that they would be some of the phrases that I would say disruptive is. At the end of every single one of my podcasts, and I've done 503 now on disruptive entrepreneur, Amy, I ask my guests, what does disruptive mean to you? And there's some great answers in there. For me, it's unique, different, challenging. Um, yeah. And why is it important to be all of what you just said? It's important for me to be all of those things, because if I wasn't being those things, I wouldn't be being who I am. So for me, it's important to be who I am. But it's also important. Otherwise, your competitors will outwit you um, and your business will become lethargic, complacent. Your margins will go down because markets move and consumers move. I mean, look at the lockdown. I mean, if you don't disrupt your business model in the lockdown, you, you, you might be dead. So. I would rather you disrupt yourself than a competitor or a market or a virus disrupt you. So it's like staying on top of your own evolution and growth and progress. And you've been online for a long time. Why is it important for you to have this online business? To reach a global audience, to have a fair and reasonable profit margin, to be leveraged, to have scale, to um, use and utilize current and new technology and media. I like playing with new toys. So new social media platforms, new technology, new apps. Although I want someone to find out how it works first and just give it to me ready working. I like the baby, not the labor pains. Um, to stay at the forefront of innovation and technology and progress in your niche. And that's a part of what makes you progressive is that you need to stay at the front, the forefront, be on the front foot always. Yeah, well, my three company brand values are progressive, innovative, personal. So progressive, you know, to be always moving, evolving, changing and growing. Innovative, to be disruptive, to force change, to find a better, newer way and not just settle for the status quo. So, yeah, I mean... Usually the, the values of a company come from the values of the founder or the founders. Um, and so those things are inherent and important within me. I mean, in my personal life, I, um, I love hi-fi and vinyl. I'm always upgrading my system. I always want to improve my system. I'm always, trying to, I'm always doing personal development and education and listening to podcasts and audiobooks because I want to better and improve my knowledge. When I was doing martial arts, I always wanted to train more and get that next grade. I think it's quite an entrepreneurial thing, better, more, faster, bigger. Um, and I've learned to balance that with not that being a tireless, vacuous pursuit. But yeah, it's just, uh, I think those are good character traits of a company. Uh, otherwise, you know, Kodak, they invented digital photography and they're gone. And Blockbuster, they're gone. And who are, they? Who are here now? Netflix. So if you don't evolve, you can't be a hundred year old company if you don't evolve. But you can either be disrupted by a competitor and then have a few bad years and have to copy them or disrupt yourself first and disrupt them. And how do you keep this drive sustained? Because that's a lot I of think, energy. Yeah, well, I mean, I think we've all got energy in the things that we're passionate about. I mean, I reckon, I mean, obviously people talk about exercise, food, um, of things of a source of energy, which of course they are. But I reckon passion is a source of energy. Like, Give a kid who's 14 years old a computer game they love and they'll stay up till five in the morning. It's a source of energy. So for me, business, entrepreneurship, it's a source of energy in and of itself. So I'm not sitting there thinking, no, oh, I'm knackered, you know, running my companies. I mean, I, I might get knackered because it's late or, you know, because uh, I'm a human being. But actually, I burn the midnight oil on passion not on Red Bull. 
And, um, you know, I have a desire to grow and keep doing what I'm doing and help more people on passion. No, no one's forcing me to do this. I'm doing this because I want to do this and I enjoy it. And, you know, everyone listening, if there's anything that you really love to do, time stands still and no one would have to force you and you're not looking at your watch and you could do it for hours and you could get up next day and do it for hours. And for me, business and entrepreneurship and social media and podcasting and interviews like this, Amy, with you. I mean, this is a Sunday afternoon. I could be doing a lot of things, but, you know, I, I, I want to do this because I love to do this. So that's where the energy comes from. And how did you find your passion? Because it hasn't been an easy ride. No, I found my passion because my dad had a nervous breakdown on December the 15th, 2005 in his pub in front of all of his customers. And I'd been searching and probably lazy and complacent and idle and just getting by and not living to any kind of potential from age 18 to 25. Lost. Lacking in confidence. Um, and then when that happened with my dad, it was like, my dad had always raised me to be an entrepreneur. He got me working from a very young age, from like age six. I loved working. I loved working for my dad. He instilled in me this entrepreneurial flair, but it got lost in the school system and university and, and, and my early jobs. And then when that happened with my dad, it was such a hard time for me. It was, I felt such shame and uh, pain. And I just thought I have to step up and do something. And I didn't know what and where and how and when and why. I just knew that I had to make a change and it was drastic. Uh, and that gave me, because, you know, I just said energy can come from passion. Well, energy can come from pain as well, because there's a lot of entrepreneurs listening that have stepped up since, since the lockdown because they're worried about their livelihoods. And that, that pain creates accountability, not for everyone, but for entrepreneurial people it does. And so what happened with my dad created accountability. So I started searching and searching and searching, reading books, going to events, talking to people, being humble rather than complacent, you know, like a student rather than thinking I knew it all, even though I knew nothing. And very quickly I um, got into property and, and training businesses and selling properties and all sorts of businesses that I'm in now. I listen to a lot of your podcasts and the one person who keeps coming back is Dr. Martini. What is so special about him for you? Uh, I think out of anyone that's ever taught me anything, he gives the most balanced approach. Approach. So he would say that overly high or overly low emotions put you out of balance and both are um, not the true you. Gratitude and love are the two transcendent emotions. And um, if you see any event as one-sided, which you usually will, I like it, therefore I, over, I only see the upsides. I don't like it, therefore I only see the downsides. You're not, you're not seeing the full balanced equation of what life brings. And I'd been overly negative before 25 and then rah-rah positive when I was doing personal development courses after that. So I was probably relatively imbalanced. So that, um, you know, if I'm overly high, he'll bring me down. If I'm overly down, he'll bring me up. You know, he says the maximum human growth is on the border of support and challenge. I just think, think he's so well read. I think that he's taught me so much, and a lot of it he doesn't even know he's taught me. Um, and I just felt like the extremities that I was learning elsewhere, I got a more balanced view. Um, and obviously, he does a huge amount of work on values. You know, what's most important to you in your life? And, um, you know, there's basically everything comes back to your values, where, where your focus and energy and results will be based on where your values are. Your conflicts will be based on when you're not living your values uh, and understanding and living according to your values will, you'll live to your true nature and genius. Um, I mean, look, I've studied a lot of people and I've learned from a lot of people. I guess he's just stuck with me through the whole journey. And what would you say your values are, Rob? Um, growth, progress. Um, are definitely my first two um uh, competition fun friends family yeah so with growth Money. and progress 
money. Oh, yeah, that came, came in quite low, actually. Yeah, well, I mean, I could have earned a lot more in the last 15 years if I'd have been monomaniacally money-focused. I could have just followed the money. I've stopped to a certain, okay, I've grown and stuff, but I've pretty much done what, there's way more ways to make more money than writing a book, but I wrote 15 books. You know, I've, I've made really good money, tens of millions, but no, I, I wrote a book on money, but money's not my highest value. Um, I, I, growth and progress is my highest value because I seem to feel alive when I'm progressing, moving forward, growing, evolving, learning. And I seem to feel stagnant and frustrated and restless if I feel like I'm going backwards or stagnating or I can't really, I don't really relax. I don't really sit still because I just seem to have this desire and this restlessness for movement, forward movement. I'm okay with that. That seems to be who I am. And why is it important to write books? Who are they for? Um, well, first and foremost, your book is for you because you write a book and you get something out of your soul or your mind, or you get a project out of you. I really believe that a podcast is a piece of art. A book is a piece of art. I really believe that, um, because you're expressing your soul. So it's spiritual. So first and foremost, anyone who writes a book is the most important person to write is, is themselves. I am proud of that book. Is it a good piece of work? I don't want to be defined by how many sales I make. I want to be defined by is it a good piece of work? And then after that, write for start and scale up entrepreneurs, people who want to run their own business, extra income streams. That's who I write for. And what do you get back from, from people who read their books? Um, about 50 pence a copy, so it's not much. I have to sell millions to make some money on that. Uh, I wasn't necessarily talking about a monetary value. I was thinking about oh, more. No. <laughs> I've been flipping. Yeah. I mean, you get, well, I've had thousands of reviews, which is great, and most of them positive. Thousands of messages of gratitude and people who then follow you on your other social media and consume a lot of your work. So, yeah, um, you get exposure, reach, you build goodwill with people because you write a good book and it's personal and colloquial and conversational. They feel like they know you and they're with you. You get gratitude. You get some haters as well, some critics. Yeah, all and part need, of the journey. You need those. Well, yeah, people find it weird when I say that you need critics, but um, – Critics keep you honest, humble, improving. Let's be honest. If you had no critics, you just go and do what you want. Oh, no, I wouldn't. I'd be careful. No, you wouldn't. If there's no accountability for your actions, you go and do what you want. Um, whereas if you know there are critics out there about to jump on you with every bad move, then you think carefully about your moves. Now, sometimes you can do something good and you'll still get critics. Well, all times. But, yeah, critics... You know, I want to prove my critics wrong. I don't want them to be right about the things they might say about me that they don't like. Um, I want to create good programs. I want to create good education and training. I want to help people. And, you know, my fans are great, but my fans aren't going to give me feedback to grow, whereas my critics are. My fa fans aren't going to hold me as accountable as my critics are. Um, so, yeah, you need critic. Well, wait, when I say you need critics, it's not like you have a choice. You put your work out there, you'll get them because it's, part of the, the universal law and order. And how does it feel to you to know that you are helping people in business and in life? That's probably the best feeling, I would say. Um, no, look, sex is better feeling. It's, it's not, um, let's keep it in context here. Um, but it, 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 making money feels great. But now I'd have to get paid... 50 or 100 grand to go, nice. Where if, if I got paid five grand or 10 grand or 20 grand or 30 grand, I, I just, that'd be, you know, I'm saying that with humility because billionaires are on another level to me. But, you know, I need 50 or 100 grand chucked in the bank to go, ooh, that feels good. Um, but one email from someone, someone said, he, I got an email from a chap called Ryan who's just recently followed me, basically told me the story of how he's inspiring people. 
follows my work, really likes it. And he used to be an ex-addict and he, he's been brought up with addictions, you know, prostitution and violence in, around his life. And he's shaken that off. And now he's inspiring other people and he's inspired by my work. That feels amazing. And that costs nothing. Um, well, actually, it cost me my 15 years, didn't it? That's what I had to do to get those kind of messages. Um, and I get a lot of those. And they, and they feel really great. And, you know, I, I feel like in my lonelier moments or darker moments, I don't feel alone. And I feel like I'm making a difference. And I feel like if I make a difference to enough people, then I'll always be okay. You know, if I struggle or um, financially, I'll always be able The more people I help, the more I'll get help in return. Yeah, but, you know, quite a lot of the messages I've had have kind of moved me to tears with what they've said. Um, yeah, so it feels great. And it's not I mean, cliche. It really does feel great. And the thing is, you never get bored of it. You know, like, oh, man, it's another nice fan message. Oh, it's another... Will they stop messaging me the ways I've helped them? It's so annoying. You, you never get, but you know, so many things in life. You're like, I've had enough of that shit, but not those. You never get bored of those. And often they come at the right time as well. The universe has this serendipity. They come at a time when you need it often. John always says, if you've got criticism, you'll equally get praised somewhere. Um, so if you're getting critiqued or trolled, stuff like that will happen to balance you. Um, and why is it important for you to share so much of your personal life, of your therapy that you're going through? What, what do you see other people getting out of that? Well, look, all my content that's maybe a bit more racy or left field or disruptive, is, I've always tested it first. So I never woke up and thought, I'm going to do a load of podcasts on my therapy or I'm going to rant and, you know, it's going to be a thing. Um, I'm just a prolific tester. I wrote a book called Start Now, Get Perfect Later. And if in doubt, try it out. If in doubt, test it out. So I have a lot of ideas. I think we all do. I just know I do. Some people don't know they do, but I know I do. And if I'm on the fence, I'll test it. So, I mean, you'll, you'll remember probably, Amy, because you would have been one of the first because you're in one of my um, supporters WhatsApp groups. And um, it wasn't my first therapy session, but it was an early one. And I just did a voice memo into the supporters WhatsApp group. And I just went, Wah! and I just said, look, this is a test guys. If, if, if this is too much, tell me, let me know if you like it. And I got an outpouring of gratitude. And so I did a bit more and a bit more and a bit more and a bit more. And I'll keep doing it until the point where my, all my fans say Rob too much. And then I'll stop. And that's kind of how I see all content. People tell me they like my very honest approach. They like my very, um, I'm an open book. I, I think I think once or twice in all the interviews and the thousands of hours of content I've done where I've, I've either been stumped for an answer or I've not given an answer. Um, and that's me anyway. So I'm just being me. And it's, easy, it's so much easier to be you than anyone else. But I seem to have built a brand around that. People seem to like that about me. I guess my critics don't like that about me as well. And that's fine. Um, yeah. So, and I want my content to be quirky. I don't want it to just be, oh, here's five ways to do this. You know, therapy and rants and behind the scenes stuff and repurposed content and stuff that's just a little, maybe a little bit different and British, not American and ranty and raw. And, you know, my diction is not great. I don't speak eloquently. I've got a husky, knackered throat from when I broke the world record for public speaking and ruined my voice. But I'm me, and, and, and there seems to be a place for me, just like there's a place for everyone else. And I used to compare myself to the big influencers. Now I don't. Now I don't. There's plenty of big influencers out there that their content's not as near, near as good as mine or as deep as mine or as thorough as mine, but they're just bigger. And there's people who content suits other people more, and there's people who are better with their sound bites. Like Grant Cardone, a good friend of mine, brilliant with his sound bites, got all the rhymey quotes, all the nuggets. I don't do any of that. John Demartini's got a load of rhymey stuff he does. Me, it's just, blah, it's just everything. Blah. And that's me. And if you don't like it, there's plenty of other people you can follow. Um, <laughs> and that's fine. And if you do like it, I love you. One of the words I think I've, I've picked up on is, is probably one of your favourite words is paradox. How much does paradox play in your life? 
Well, there's a paradox in everything. Let's just pick random stuff. Um, so disruptive, what's the paradox in disruptive? Well, if you don't disrupt at all, you will decay and die and you'll be evolved out of the, the species ultimately, but your market. If you disrupt too much, you'll cause chaos and competition and regulation and you know too much pain and challenge. Look at what Uber have gone through just to try and get bloody Ubers in London, for example. So there's a paradox in that. Passive income's a paradox. You like the idea of passive income, but then when you don't do any work for a few months, you're bored, senseless, and you feel like you've got no purpose and you want to go out there and do something again and you get an itch. So name me something that doesn't have a paradox. Name me something that's one-sided and not doesn't have duality. You can't. You can't name anything. This Zoom H1, really good because it's mobile. You know, you can put it in your pocket. You can clip it on but the audio quality won't be as good as a piece of semi-professional equipment like the, the mic you've got there. Amy's probably better. So, yeah. Everything, everything exists in a paradox, which means that um, there is no right, no wrong, no upside, no downside. Everything is intrinsically linked. The spiritual and the material, that's a paradox. Um, your skin, you can't help people. You're rich. You take from people and you're greedy. That, that's a paradox. So that's why I like John Martini's work, because I think he understands that more than a lot of um, trainers and educators who are trying to get you to be rah-rah positive, which, by the way, there's nothing wrong with that, because it's definitely a time when you need to lift yourself up. But I'm not really into the high fives and the hugging and the clapping at the seminars. I'm a bit more reserved. I go to them. I stand at the back like a typically British person. Um. So, yeah, understanding the paradox. The great thing about understanding paradox is when you're experiencing challenge, what's the paradoxical upside benefit? Like the lockdown. There's, I've been going for two-hour walks. That's a massive upside benefit of the lockdown. I was phoning friends, business owners, peers, people I never used to phone before. That's a massive upside benefit. We have eight, eight online courses. We've done over, well, I think we've done nearly £1.5 million in revenue about that. Um, in sales in seven weeks in online courses. We didn't have any seven weeks ago. We've created seven or eight new online courses. That's an upside of the downside. But of course, there's downside too. What's the paradox of being really happy and jovial? Woo! You're careless. You're frivolous. You're loose. You're complacent. Because really, you only mostly learn and get introspective and sort things out when you lose or when you're challenged. Everything exists in a paradox. So if you understand that, I think you're more balanced, more wise, able to lift yourself up from the doldrums and down from the sky. And something that I've noticed working with you over the last year, Rob, is, is that you, you're very driven in terms of what the outcomes are. And now in this period, you've had quite a lot of time to reflect. And I think it's something that you've challenged you before. How are you finding reflection now? I find reflection not that easy. I'm a bit uncomfortable with that, like just sitting there and contemplating. I'm like, oh, man, this is boring. I want to be creating, not contemplating. So I, I do struggle with that. It's great on the walks because I can contemplate while physically doing something or listening to podcasts or stuff in the background. Um, there was a lot of pain in the contemplation when the lockdown first happened because I run an events company and we had to cancel 300 event days. That's six, seven million quid gone. Bye. So, you know, like that was, there was so, so really for me, it was a bit of contemplation and a lot of um, figuring out and planning and work and hustle and um, conversations and figuring shit out. So, um, yeah, I'll probably contemplate unconsciously. I think we all do, don't we? I think our brain just goes to places unconsciously what's consuming our thoughts. But I'm not one for sitting down and meditating or hmm, I'm going to have a coffee and contemplate life. Oh, lockdown. Good opportunity to sit and cross my legs and contemplate. And by the way, I'm not I'm taking the piss out of myself, not people who do that, because I respect that. I, I should I think a lot. And maybe that's my contemplation thinking. I'm figuring shit out all the time. Every day I'm thinking, right, how do I figure this out? How do I scale this? How do I work that out? How do I come to terms with this? How do I grow through this? How is that a, a, an opportunity, not a problem? But it's entrepreneurial contemplation. It's fixing and figuring out. I'm a, I'm a fixer through and through. I can't, like, um, 
not that I've been with loads of women, but any women that have been with me in the end are driving crazy because they can't, they can't bring any problem with me trying to fix them straight away. I don't need fixing. I just want you to listen, Rob. Sorry, I'm trying to help. Oh. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not a letter goer or a letter beer. I'm a go-getter and a make-it-happener. And I'm trying to develop the other side of my character because paradoxically, there's downsides to that. Um, like an inability to be bored or to relax. Look at me now, you know, like mm. just kind of just restless or um, sometimes you live life so fast, you don't breathe it in. And it's common in entrepreneurs. And I am working on the meditation and the mindfulness and the contemplation, the reflection, and definitely these long walks. I go in really nice nature trails. I can do one, two, three hours. I've done a three and a half hour walk. And that's been fantastic for me because you contemplate a lot. Even if you're WhatsApp voice memoing and doing calls, you still have breaks between them and you look at nature and you're in lovely weather and you do contemplate. And... But yeah, I don't think many people who, who know me would describe me as, you know, what's that little meme you see of the thinker and the doer? That Hi. thinker is that famous statue, isn't it? Who's there Rodin. thinking? And the doer is, is who is it? Rodin. Yeah, and the doers run off and broken off the statue and gone. That's me. That is me. I'm, so, I'm, I'm cursed to that life. That is me, and I'm okay with it. It's just who I am. So you say curse, but you don't really mean that because you've tried retiring, so you know what the other side is. Yeah, I retired loads of times or semi-retired loads of times. I've tried meditation loads of times. And I'm still going to – but look, remember, growth and progress is my highest value. So any new thing that comes in or anything that could aid my life, I'm going to try it and I'm going to work on it. Um, I'm just not, I used to beat myself up about a lot of those things I never used to figure out or do very well. Um, that's an entrepreneurial trait often, isn't it? To beat ourselves up for being imperfect, but I don't do that so much anymore. I'm better at beating myself up less, although in some areas I probably still do. So with growth and progress, does that always put you into the future as opposed to sit, being in the present? Yeah. Yeah. So the challenge is to breathe in. So when you're going on a walk, you think, all right, there's where I want to go. But then you breathe in while you're walking. So something I love to do when I walk. I mean, I'm in property. Uh, so are you, Amy. I love to look at all the houses. And you know what? I go down my, my street and adjacent streets. You know, I'm fortunate enough to live in, um, you know, the, the, a really nice street. Um, and I, I've looked at these houses hundreds of times and I still look at them. And by the way, I still notice stuff that I didn't notice looking at them a hundred times, still find houses I didn't notice. But one, I mean, I love property, so I do that. But one of the reasons is if you're walking down the street, looking at every house, you're present. Because you're, you're stopping and looking. Oh, look at that house. Look at that house. Look at that house. So it makes you present. And yeah, it can be a curse to be always in the future. Oh, I'll be happy when I've made a million pound in sales. And then it's 10 and then it's a hundred. I'll be happy when I've got one best-selling book and then it's two, then it's five. Um, and target driven all the time. And it can be empty and vacuous when you get there because you've already um, hit the, you know, you've gone to the new level. And then you're like, oh, they're worth 10 million. They're worth 100. They're a billionaire. So I, I got better at living in the future of the pursuits, the goals, but also breathing in the present, the now, enjoying it. And there's certain, look, I believe meditation and mindfulness can be active, not passive. And it can be in activities, not just in contemplation. So um, I'm really passionate about music and hi-fi. Um, and I've, I've a, about a quarter of a million pound hi-fi system, which I've, sounds like a lot of money, but I've actually been building that up since I was seven, no, 15. So when I was 15, I saved up like 800 quid working two summers and I bought a little Technic separate. And from, I had about five years in the middle where I, I stopped. But basically, from the age of 17 to 41, I've been upgrading, 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 growth and progress again. And to sit and put a vinyl on and listen to that, knowing that I've got a system I've been investing in for 24 years, that I've demoed thousands of pieces of equipment and chosen a few. And, and, and whilst I know I've got more upgrade paths, I still really enjoy it. And I feel the emotion in the music. I mean, Michael Jackson, you know, someone that famous and you know most people love his music regardless of what you think about him but you put that music on the system that i have and it's like even um 
Off the Wall, which was recorded in 1979, which is my birthday year, 41 years old. Sounds fantastic. 41-year-old recording, recording sounds amazing. You're just there and you hear everything, everything, and you're just there and you're present. And music for me is great for that. It makes you present. Mm-hmm. It can also take you back to when you were 15. So play Pearl Jam songs to me and I go straight back to when I was 15 because that's what I was listening to when I was 15. So it can bring nostalgia, but um, music, art, poetry, um, playing a, a hobby or an activity or being with your kids or whatever, that can bring you very, make you very present. Doing these make me present. What's the time now? There you go. We've been 31 minutes in. Time stood still for me for 31 minutes. So this, in a way, you could say is being present. I'm not thinking about what I'm going to do at four or five or six. So doing more of those things that makes time stand still will make you present. And you have to consciously do that. Otherwise, you're entrepreneurs, especially, uh, more, 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 I want more, I want more, I want more. It's, it, it's, it can be a curse. And what would be the thing you want to be known for? What would be your legacy? Um, right, so... Quite a few people say to me, Rob, I didn't really like you at first. You're an acquired taste. But you know what? The more I listened to you, the more benefit I got, or the more I liked you, or the more I understood you. That, for me, is poetry. Because I don't expect to be liked straight away. I'm not a vanilla kind of person. So if people say to me when I'm gone, you know what? Rob's a bit in your face, or it was a bit this. I wasn't sure at first. But actually, give him time. He's like a fine wine. He matures on you. Um, and he's really, and he's made a difference. And I gave him a, that. That for me is, you know, it's better that than oh yeah, Rob's all right. I'm not really a vanilla kind of guy. And and why do you not want to be known as vanilla? Because that's just not who I am. I like um, chocolate chip cookie dough with caramel and um, salted caramel pieces and. Yeah, it's just not me. It, hey, by the way, there's nothing wrong with being vanilla. Nothing wrong with being steady and consistent. And I, uh, vanilla, vanilla is probably the most popular ice cream. It's just not me. And it took me a long fucking time to be able to say, look, that's just not me and that's okay. You know, to know who you are and know who you're not. And McQueen, my favourite documentary of all time, McQueen. And Alexander McQueen said, look, I don't care if they love me or hate me. They can hate me. Just want to make them feel something. You know, I can de- definitely relate to that. And a lot came out of you watching that documentary. We met for a start. Mm. Yeah. 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 That that really impacted me and moved me. Really did. Best documentary ever made, in my opinion. Uh, crazy story, crazy life. A genius, completely tortured. Um, yeah. Sad, but also left an amazing legacy. And knowing that you've done a lot of personal development, what has made the most impact on your life? I think being able to take yourself out of the doldrums by seeing a positive and a negative situation or a benefit of a challenge. I think that's got to be the single greatest gift personal development has brought me. Because, you know, if I would be the victim of circumstance, i.e. let's say, I did something that upset you or you were upset with me or you just looked at me or spoke to me in a way that made me feel triggered. That could upset me for an hour or a day or a week. I don't know. But I would only come out of that when circumstance took me out of that, i.e. we made up or I forgot about it or you apologised or something. And, And if we were clashing, that could last weeks or months. That, that pain, that grief, that um, anger, that frustration, that bitterness, that resentment, whatever. And personal development has taught me you choose how you feel. Now, sometimes you're triggered so much, it still takes time. But things that used to take me days to get over take minutes. Things that used to take minutes take seconds. Things that used to take weeks take days. Things that used to take months take days. Um. That's the greatest gift of personal development, to know you have a choice in how you feel. And you're challenged, you're triggered, you're hurt. Okay, what can I learn from this? How does this serve me? How is this a gift? 
How can I see the best in the situation? Where am I putting my awareness? Where else can put my awareness? What am I forgetting that I've got that's great in my life? What am I not seeing here that I'm supposed to learn? Why is this a great gift to me? That's, that, for me, that's got to be the greatest gift of personal development. The, the ability to control how you feel, to not be such a victim to pain. And is that why you've invested so much in it? Yeah. And yeah, I love growth and progress. It's my highest value. So why would I not do personal development to grow myself? Yeah. So, um, yeah. And I've always got a return on investment on personal development. I mean, for me, that's one of, if not the best investments you can make. You know, you, you buy some kind of asset, do some kind of course, might make a bit of money, might make something in the short term, but you're with you your whole life. Even properties that we're both in. In 50 years, we'd have sold some of them. We won't have them all. But you'll have you your whole fucking life. It was something that David McCourt said when we had him, the one-to-one, well, one one, but when he did that look fantastic sort of holding court uh, session before Christmas, and he talked about soft capital and the importance of soft capital. Would you agree with him? Do you mean like um, relationships as opposed to money? Yeah. Yeah. So there's all these funky words, soft capital, human capital, whatever. I mean, look, let's say you took all my money now um, and all you left me with was my phone book with all my contacts in it. Well, I could probably WhatsApp you. You'd probably help me out a bit. You'd probably put me on your podcast again and give me a bit of exposure, introduce me to a couple of people. You know, David McCourt, I promoted an event for him. He was speaking with the ex-president of Mexico. He's asked to be on my podcast twice. I reckon if I asked him to help me out and I needed it, he would. I'm really good friends with Kevin Clifton and Katie Piper and Jake Wood and all these amazing people. And that's going to be there forever. And I've invested a lot of time and money and resources into building those friendships. And they're friendships. They're not business relationships. They're friendships. And one, that's all that's left after the money anyway. Because you, when you come to the end of your life, the, the money ain't left. It's gone. It's going to someone else, isn't it? It's... But you've got your memories and the people you shared those memories with. So... Yeah, soft capital, relationships, goodwill, your staff, your followers, your fans, your friends, your business associates, your JV partners. That's where all the money comes from. I mean, money is relationships. You're not, I mean, you've done some of my courses, Amy, and you did our um, brand and marketing mastermind. You're on, on a lifetime, aren't you? You would not have invested that money if you didn't have some kind of perception of a connection or relationship between us you know like if you didn't like me and there was no relationship you weren't investing your hard-earned five grand plus in that mastermind so sales and business is relationships it is soft capital and what if you didn't live on purpose with your purpose didn't have a passion how how would you function well people who don't know what they love are usually frustrated that they don't know what they love and they're usually continually searching to find out what they love. So they're lost. So if you didn't, don't live on purpose, you're lost. And I reckon being lost is pretty painful. Now, you don't have to be perennially lost. You can be temporarily lost. You have a significant emotional event. You get fired. Something gets disrupted. You have a trauma, and that can throw things into the air. You have a lockdown, a virus, and you could be lost. That'll make you a bad person. Just keep searching. It took me 25, 26 years to know what I was interested in properly. I had things along the way like martial arts and like art and like cricket and like golf and all these things that I was, had transient interest in. But business and entrepreneurship and helping people and, you know, doing the social media and the content, that's been the thing that's been with me for 15 years. It took me 26 years. Keep looking. Keep looking. Because if you don't, you'll always be lost. 
Um, but I believe there's something for all of us out there. I believe, you know, it's almost like the purpose of life is to find your purpose and then live it. That's how you add value to society, to species. You know, we, we're not all destined to be the same thing. Otherwise, we couldn't survive and evolve because to be interdependent, which we need to be to evolve as a species, we need to serve each other. So you need to host the podcast. I need to be the guest and we need to have listeners and sponsors. We're all necessary in the ecosystem. We need a butcher, a baker, a candlestick maker. Think of a supply chain, all the different um, types of vocations in a supply chain. So we're all supposed to do something different. Because if we're all supposed to do the same thing, then, well, then nothing would happen except the one thing. So just keep searching. You'll find it. Keep asking every day, what am I meant to do with my life? Keep asking that every day. And then when you find it, keep asking it, because then there's a bigger level, a higher level, and a bigger scale, and another book, and, you know, speeches in other countries, and another podcast, and bigger guests, and there's always more. So there's never good enough. There's always more. Nah, there is good enough. You are good enough. Uh, and what you did is good enough, but you can do better too. Because that is a curse. Um, I look at my past work and sometimes cringe. So now I don't look at my past work because I know I did the best I could back then. It's not like I don't try. And if I could have tried harder, there was something that was stopping me from trying harder. So you can't do better the past. You can't. So everything you did was good enough. You did the best you could. And your strap fine, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. How does that fit in with that? Well, yeah, better to regret something you have done than regret something you haven't. Better to regret you tried and failed than to never try at all. So you're happy with your purpose? Happiness is a, a topical discussion I could do a whole podcast interview on. Um, I do not believe that the purpose of life is happiness, and a lot of people do. I believe that if the purpose of life was happiness, the human species wouldn't evolve because happiness is the reward for the completion of something, whereas human beings to evolve can be never complete. So I believe the purpose of life is evolution. The purpose of life is growth and progress. Not happiness. Happiness is the reward that keeps you incentivized to evolve. Because if you weren't incentivized to evolve, you'd do fuck all. And if you did nothing, like if we're all happy now, let's go and hold hands and sing kumbaya. Oh, we don't need to go to work today. You know, we don't need to go on the farm to milk the cows. Don't need to, you know. Well, I'm happy. I'm happy. Just content. It's not the purpose of life. So the paradox of happiness is all these people searching for happiness, they're going to be the most unhappy because that's not the purpose of life. It's the reward emotion reacting to an environment where you um, are safe rather than threatened. So you said, what was it you said? Am I happy that I'm on purpose or that I'm living my values? I... I'm getting my highest value of growth and progress met by knowing my purpose. I am grateful. I'm choosing my words really carefully here, Amy. I'm grateful that I found my purpose. Am I content? Am I fulfilled? No. If I was fulfilled, i.e. my values were full and I had no voids, That'd be it. I'd, I would not. I, I would not do another interview. Like I get twenty requests a week to do interviews, and I'm fulfilled now. I've got nothing more to say. I would decline them all. Why would I do them? If I was complete as an entrepreneur, why would I get up today and tomorrow and do more? I wouldn't. So I'm unfulfilled. And people say people talk like being unfulfilled is bad. No. As soon as you're fulfilled, the value has disappeared. So. I am grateful, which isn't the same as happiness. Happiness is a transient emotion. I, I, I'm happy when dinner's on the table, but it's gone again. I'm happy when I buy a new piece of hi-fi equipment or I get um, some likes, but I'm not content. 
And by the way, as soon as I'm content, the world disrupts me and throws me a challenge. He's like, wait a minute, Rob, you're not supposed to be content. That's not the purpose of life. You're allowed to be content at points because that's your reward. Because if you had no reward, why would you do it? So I'm grateful that I'm on mission and on purpose. I have moments of happiness, moments of contentment, which are few and far between. Um, and I'm usually incomplete and always on a mission to try and fill myself with something in my entrepreneurial pursuits. And what the fuck's wrong with that? Because it's better than taking drugs or drinking too much alcohol. So my pains and addictions and lack of fulfillment, they're all focused on entrepreneur and I'm entrepreneurship and business, and I'm using those voids to try and make a difference in the world. And do you think you are making a difference? I think to the people that think I'm making a difference, I'm making a difference. I think I'm, you know, this is an extra interview I've done. Um, I've done three hours of content per day for my audience. So that was three hours I hadn't done yesterday. Um, is, are there bigger influences than me? Yeah. Are there loads of people who are reaching less people? Yeah. Yeah. John Demartini said to me, I gave up being happy years ago because it made me too damn depressed. Um, and so, you know, when you ask me, do I think I'm making a difference? Um, I have to be careful to not let pride and ego get in the way. Because, I mean, look, I'm not a particularly proud person. I don't, I mean, I, 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 we all have ego. My ego is more defensive and about rejection, not about look how great I am and pride. It's, it's, it's weaker. It's more like a child, my own ego. Like you trigger me if you reject me and all my childhood would come up. But you don't hear me often walking around like some, you know, cocksure, arrogant guy bragging about what he's achieved because my main, my highest value is growth and progress. So it's never, you know, it's never enough. Um, so am I grateful at the opportunity I get to help the people I help? Yes. Is there more work to do? Yes. There's more haters to turn around because come on. <laughs> So would you say that you're, you're, you have a life purpose or is it a soul purpose? I mean, where does it, where, what drives you to do what you do mm. every day? So I've not really thought about the difference between life and soul. Am I on a life's mission? Yes. Business, entrepreneurship, am I, am I going to be doing that till I'm dead? Yes. Yes. I just know that. Um, have I got a lot more work to do? Yeah. Is it a soul or is it spiritual? Probably. I mean, I've not yet figured out if the body and the soul are separate or together. What happens if our spirit goes somewhere else after death? If the body is just a vehicle, you know, like a lot of people believe. I've, I've not figured that out yet. I've, that's not really where I've done a lot of my research. At the moment, it's not an area of my interest. I mean, when life humbles me and I realize I've not got long left because I've probably still got more than half of my life left and my work might change. But at the moment, it, it, something in me and connected to whatever energy is connected to knows I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't always do it right. I don't always go in the right direction. But overall, I'm, I've got the velocity. You know, I'm going in the right direction overall. And how do you know that? How do you know that that's the vision that is right for you? I know it. It's like, it's not even, like when you say, how do I know it? It's like I feel it, it, it just above my belly button in my inside somewhere. Like it's not even a thought. How do I know I'm doing what I'm doing? I just know. It's intuition, I guess. Um, I've tried a few things in my life. I've failed at a few things in my life. I've stopped and started at a few things in my life. The, the, the way I know I know is I've been doing this 15 years and I feel like I'm just warming up and I'm still a bit of an apprentice and I've still got so much more to learn. Yeah. What's on the agenda next then for you, Rob? I'm taking the kids for a walk after this. That's on the agenda next. Or singing your lovely song that you've all made up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, look, the, the immediate 
strategy is to create as many online programs as possible that are great value to people and scale them up. That's the immediate need. And that obviously superseded my plans before that lockdown because I didn't know that that was going to happen. I, you know, I want to get my teaching, my message, my rants, my content. I, I want to get it out to as many people on this planet as possible. I want to help as many people as possible navigate life and figure shit out and make some money and be disruptive and start and scale their enterprise and employ people and grow and have meaning and direction. There, That's all the stuff I'm about. And why is it important for you to help navigate people and give them meaning and direction? Because there's so many people who are lost. And because I've got to do something with my time. You know, I tried a load of stuff and I'm like, oh, am I really that good enough at that? Am I good enough at that? I was good at golf, but never thought I'd be, I never thought I was good enough. I was good at cricket, but I never thought I was good enough. I was good at R, but I never thought I was good enough. Now I actually found something thinking I am good enough and I can get better. So that tells me I know it's the right thing because I love all the other stuff. I was, I was, you know, I played at county level golf and I was a single figure handicap when I was. 12 13 maybe 14 i don't know but i never believed i would make it never believed i was good enough so to do something where i do have some belief in myself not cockiness because you know i know billionaires and that that's one way to stay humble you know because i'm like pocket money compared to them tens of millions compared to billions (laughs) but yeah and do you compare yourself to other people well I'm not not anywhere near as much as I used to negatively. No, um, I suppose the more comfortable I come with become with who I am, the less I need to compare myself to others. Like, like I'm good friends now with David McCourt. He'd, he'd tell you himself, and you know he's a billionaire, but he doesn't own any cars and he doesn't own any watches. So I've got way more fancy watches and cars than him. But he's got more money than me. I'm younger than him. I've got more social media followers than him. He has got more staff than me. He's got more business experience than me. He's got more companies than me. He's made more films than me. You know, like he's that he's good at being him. I'm good at being me. I'd, I, I'm inspired to know him and I'm in, you know, I know quite a few billionaires and, but no, like I look at my business partner, Mark, and I think you're an absolute genius in A, B, C, D, E. And I look at him and go, and I know that what I can do, that's not you. And that's where I add value. So, yeah. Uh, occasionally, you know, you're, like if this competitor who's taking some of your market or their new kid on the block and they're growing fast you know, or they're trying to knock you off your perch. You're like, yeah, right. You know, I'm going to compare my company and figure out what they're doing. But it's it's what people are doing rather than who they're being. And, you know, anyone can copy what you do, but no one can copy who you are. No one. People copy me left, right and center. And by the way, I'm not the most copied. I mean, I've Apple. They must be, I mean, half of China's copying Apple. <laughs> but... There's quite a few people out there copying me and what I do and how I do it, but fine. They can't copy who I am. Uh-uh, I am me. Mother- <laughs> so I don't know, by the way, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear in your podcast, but you can edit me out if you want. It's all right. Uh, so but you- that was a curve I went through for a long time. Look, I, I will now be inspired by people. Someone's made a hundred million or a billion or 10 billion, or they've got a great company or a great idea, or I read an amazing book or a great podcast. I'm inspired now. And I used to be jealous 15 years ago. So I suppose I've, I've progressed in that area. And do you feel liberated being you? Not all the time. Sometimes being me is a curse. There's um, a paradox again. Exactly. So am I liberated that I'm not trying to be someone else? Yes. But is being me all roses? No. Are there flaws about my personality and imperfections and things about myself I don't like and I wrestle with? Yes. Is there shit in my life I've not got figured out? Yes. Am I a tortured soul some of the time? Yes. But I have more come to terms with that's okay. Because I've mentored 
thousands of people, Amy, and no one's any different. I have not met anyone who's got all their shit together in all areas of their life. I've not met anyone who's not got some areas of worth issues, even people like Arnold Schwarzenegger that I've met. We've all got um, quirks, idiosyncrasies, isms, flaws, failings, and stuff we haven't sorted out, and baggage from our past, all of us. And it goes back to that word you used earlier about being lost. Is that quite quite a strong feeling for you? Yeah, it is. I'm I'm often – see, here's the thing. I'm not lost at all in business and entrepreneurship, even when I haven't got something figured out. I'm never lost. But as as a a little boy who was overweight, you know, as my therapist says, the child version of me, that guy's quite lost, even when he's around people who care about him. He's misunderstood. And and that's just my journey, I suppose. And that's just a, the remnants of my past. I can feel lonely and even though I'm around a lot of people. But, but you know, if you've got seven, eight main different areas of your life, you've got your health, your spirituality, your personal development, your wealth, your vocation, your vacation, your relationships. No one's got every part of that 10 out of 10. Because where focus goes, energy flows and results show. And you're going to be focusing on business and therefore you haven't seen your kids quite as much and you feel guilty about that. Spend loads of time with your kids and, you know, you've taken your eye off your business and you're not making the same money that you make. Or you're hustling your business and you'd stop going down to the gym and stop doing your martial arts and, you know, you're not quite as healthy and as lean as you used to be and you don't have quite the good same confidence in your body image. It's just, it's like a graphic equalizer, bits and bobs going up and down all the time. There is no perfect um, model of humanity in every area of life. And so there's nothing wrong with striving to improve all areas of your life, especially if you value growth and progress like I do. But the paradox is grow and let go. And you live by that. Try to. And I fail at it sometimes. Yeah. So of all the things you do, Rob, what, what brings you the most joy? Growth and progress. And so what does that I, mean? If I achieve something meaningful, something that didn't come easy, something that I had to figure out, it's like the greater the challenge I overcame, the greater the reward feeling afterwards. And I think that's a, a human thing. I think that's a biological thing. Human beings get greater reward based on the greater the challenge. So I, I've, I've had quite a lot of joy out of the lockdown, knowing that we We've figured out looking after our clients and knowing that we've done the best we can and knowing that we've got all these online courses now and we've got one going on right now. We had 6,000 people booked for an online course today. That fills me with immense pride because seven weeks ago, we didn't have any. So achieving something meaningful. When I broke the world record for the longest public speech, when I um, launched my podcast and wrote my book, Money, which both became you know, bestsellers in, um, in multiple categories, that made me feel good. The longer the podcast episodes, the harder the um, and the longer the books I wrote and the harder the guests were to get, the, the more sense of satisfaction came from it. So going back right to where we started and you decided on the word disruptive for you and contrarian for Mark, do you feel that that has served you well, that choice of word? Yeah, like, you know, some Americans will say, oh, disruptive, that's such a cliche. Because, you know, in Silicon Valley, it, it 20 years ago, it was all about being disruptive for the sake of it. That doesn't even bother me anymore. It used to bother me when they said that. That's oh, my word. Don't bother me anymore. Whatever. I like it. I put it on my T-shirts. I've got a trademark for the Disruptive Entrepreneur. I've got a podcast called The Disruptive Entrepreneur. You don't like it? Fine. Yeah, I, I think it – I do think it sums up who I am and what I'm about. And people say that about me. And just when you're comfortable around me, I'll shake shit up. Just when you think you've got things sorted, I'll shake shit up. Better I do it than it's done to you. And standing out is more important than fitting in for you. Yeah. Yeah, it is, because I don't think you make as much a difference fitting in. And also, I think my the child in me needs to be noticed a bit more, because he wasn't. And I think that's where you grow your business. Marketing is not about fitting in. It's about standing out, being different, quirky, unique. So there's so many benefits to standing out. Of course, there's drawbacks too, but that's the... That's the paradox. Yeah, I think that's the the choice word today. So you've been wrestling with who you are, but you're still a work in progress. And that sort of weight of 
understanding where you're going it helps lift it. What would you say is the the goal for you in the next year, five years, ten years? Just to keep making more of a difference to more people, to help entrepreneurs start and scale their business and to help people across the planet make more money, get better financial education. Whether that's in, you know, of course, I'm going to invest my own money, hopefully wisely, so I can reinvest it into my own growth. Um, and I'm, of course, going to write books and do podcasts and run courses and grow companies. But they're all ultimately for that aim. So the Disruptive Entrepreneur, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And my pleasure. It's been really great. What I would love you to do, Rob, is just leave us with one message, a call to action, perhaps. Okay, well, look, you've definitely got to go and listen to my podcast, The Disruptive Entrepreneur, if you don't already. Um, you can find me on any social media, Rob Moore. And it wouldn't be me if I didn't finish your podcast episode with how I finish all of my content, which is if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. Thank you for listening to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star iTunes review. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook and become a member of the inspiring, uplifting, and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.